Personal problems, once again, and tonight we're going to look at prejudice and suspicion. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 to 5. This was really a hard sermon to prepare. Um, there's so little that I could find written on prejudice and suspicion from a Christian perspective. There were some things, but very little. I don't have any books on my shelf, at least not that I know of, where I could find anything about this. So I'll just study the passage and... I'm going to draw some applications from it and from other verses in the Bible. So let's see how it goes. Let's pray. Father, <clears throat> I think for myself I can confess and probably for some of us here, this is a topic we think that it's not really a big problem and I'm not really guilty of this. And yet I do pray that you would open our eyes to point out our sin to show us where we are guilty of this, that we would repent and realize this is a serious matter in your eyes, Lord. So give us an open heart and a humble heart to receive the word as we delight to receive the honey of the word, that we would also be willing to receive the beasting of the word. And that you would show us where things are wrong, that we may come again to the cross to repent, to confess our sin, and to be forgiven. Amen. So, uh, prejudice, you may know the word from Jane Austen's book, the title of her book, Pride and Prejudice. So prejudice means you come to hasty, you jump to hasty conclusions, or you make hasty judgments. That would be better. You make hasty judgments. You don't even know this person, or you don't know much about them, and then you make a hasty judgment about them. And so it's a judgment that is usually made because of some external thing. So in other words, you judge someone as good or bad because of their skin color, or because they live in a certain town. Are you from Brackban? <laughs> and you make a hasty judgment, you're from Kempton. You're from Cape Town. You're from Durban. Oh, Nazareth. Or by their appearance, what they look like. So you look outwardly and you see they've got a funny nose or they've got crooked teeth or they've got a shriveled hand, a paralyzed leg, or they're wearing old clothes or they've got an expensive car or they are pretty and attractive. And so you make these judgments. That is what James speaks of in James chapter 2, verse 2 to 4. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Right, so that's prejudice. Suspicion, that's something else. That's when you start judging people's motives or you're judging their secret deeds, things you don't really know anything of, anything about. <clears throat> so you start thinking you know what other people think. You know why they acted in a certain manner. Or you think, oh, they're busy with conspiracy against me. 
And so you're just assuming things without having the facts. So for instance, someone's really friendly to you or gives you a gift and then you start doubting their motives. You think there's some hidden agenda. They're just doing this because they want something from me. That's what King Saul did in the book of Samuel. So David uh, conquered Goliath. He killed Goliath and then, <clears throat> then, then the woman praised him. He's killed, he's slain his ten thousands and Saul has only slain his thousands. And then Saul started becoming jealous and he started becoming suspicious. Oh, the only thing David is after, he wants the crown. He wants the crown. He wants to be king. You know, suspicion, that's just, it's not just ugly, it's sin. It's sin. Suspicion causes you to be like the animists. Animists are people who worship spirits or they're afraid of the spirits, uh, like in African traditional religion or in some Asian uh, or South American traditional religions. So you become like the animists, you live in fear, you think people have got ulterior motives and, and they want to place curses on you. So it's, it's ugly and it's sinful, this. So how do you overcome these sins, the sin of prejudice and the sin of suspicion? What should you do if you are on the receiving side, so people are suspicious about you and people are prejudiced against you? Let's read 1 Corinthians 4, verse 1 to 5. This is how one should regard us, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it's required of stewards that they be found trustworthy. But with me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. Well, I'm not aware of anything against myself. But I'm not thereby acquitted. It's the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. So first command, if we want to overcome these sins, be little in your own eyes. Be little in your own eyes. That's in verse 1. I remember Joel Beakey at a conference in 2003 in Michalisburg. He preached on how to handle criticism, how to deal with criticism. And he spoke of some pastors in town. He was near, near to town. And some pastors in that town were jealous of him and they told lies about him and wrote things against him and uh, they were really prejudiced. <clears throat> and he was really discouraged and walked in his up and down in his study praying and he drew a book from the shelf, a book by William Booth, and he opened it and the first words he read is, lies. It is all lies that they've spread about you. They're telling lies about you. And he thought, what? He was shocked that William Booth could describe his situation so accurately. And then he continued reading. And it said, so they've told all these lies, but the things they said about you aren't half as bad as you really are. <laughs> yeah, I think that drives home the point to say, be little in your own eyes. And that'll help you to be able to bear with it when people make wrong, wrong assumptions about you. Like the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians, the people, the Corinthian Christians, they, they 
showed favoritism. I, I prefer Paul. I prefer Apollos. I prefer Peter's preaching. That's in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 12. And so there was division in the church and Paul rebukes them for it. Uh, and then 1 Corinthians 3 verse 3 and 4, he says, I mean, you like unbelievers. Verse 4, you say, I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. That's just being human. That's just being like an unsaved human being. And so what Paul does is he tries to show them in chapter 3, verse 5 to 7, we're nothing. What is, what is Apollos? What is Paul? We're just servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. That's how Paul sees himself. He says, we're nothing. What are we? We're just slaves. We're just servants. Chapter 4, verse 1. This is how one should regard us, as servants of Christ. That's all we are. We're not the master. I think he would gladly affirm what John the Baptist says. I must decrease, he must increase. It's pride that causes us to become angry when people make wrong assumptions about you, when people are prejudiced, when people are suspicious, and, and they just judge you without really knowing who you are. It's pride that causes us to become angry. They could have, they could have said some things about you that are true. So they chose the wrong thing, but they could have probably said 10 bad things about you and they would have been right. So you, should, you and I should be glad they chose the wrong things. And we should also be thankful, you on the receiving side, say thank you, Lord, thank you that I am, that people are prejudiced against me and that they are suspicious of me and that it's not the other way around. That I'm not busy sinning, that I'm not prejudiced or suspicious. And then also realize that God is sovereign over other people's prejudice, over people's suspicion, when people treat you badly. Second Samuel 16, verse 5 to 12, there's this man called Shimei, and he flings dust and he throws stones at King David. And one of David's men, Abishai, says, I'll knock his head off. I'll take my sword and chop his head off. Let me do it now, King, at, at your word. I won't even have to strike twice. And David says, no, God has told him to curse David. And if the Lord has told him to curse me, then... Just leave it. God will deal with the man. So remember, God is sovereign. These people couldn't be prejudiced against you. These people couldn't be suspicious about you if God hadn't allowed that. And why does he allow it? He allows it so that we will be humbled. We need to be humbled. And our character needs to be shaped. He does it so that we can become more like Jesus. That's what Paul understood in Second Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verse 7. To keep me from becoming conceited or proud, he says... God sends this, this messenger of Satan, which is probably a, an, an angel of light, as the previous chapter says, meaning the false teachers. So one of these false teachers had really started criticizing Paul and made things difficult. And he said, this happened to keep me from becoming proud. And the Lord allows these things to humble us, to keep us from becoming proud. They said Paul's sermons stink and Paul was not a skilled speaker and Paul... He's not a very attractive guy in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 10 and 11 verse 6. And so Paul needed to be humbled and we need to be humbled. That's why God allows these things. The Lord wants us to understand that we are small and he is great. And Paul understood this. Paul understood, you know, I'm not the owner of the house. I'm just the steward. Verse 2, I'm just the one who needs to take care of the property, needs to take care of the possessions of my master. I'm just a steward of these things. The gospel doesn't belong to me. I'm just a steward. I, I just serve other people. 
I'm the waiter. I just deliver the food. I didn't make the food. I'm just an instrument. The instrument I need to make known to the world the mystery of the gospel. Verse 1. Stewards of the mysteries of God. I just need to go and tell people, you know these things that no one understood in the past? God has now revealed them and we preachers of this gospel. We want to tell you about this good news. And so Paul really didn't care. He didn't care if some of the Corinthians favored Peter and Apollos above him. That doesn't matter. And we would have done the same as Paul if we knew Jesus as well as Paul knew him. We would have also said, you know, my plan is not that you think great thoughts about me. I want you to think great thoughts about Jesus. Second command, be faithful. If you want to overcome these sins of prejudice and suspicion, be faithful. Verse 2. What would you feel like if a world full of blind people mocked you, scoffed at you, and laughed at you because you say that you can see light and color? Well, you wouldn't worry because you know it's true. You know you can really see light and color. And in the same way, Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul, he didn't really give much thought to the Corinthians and all their remarks about his preaching, about his leadership. As long as he knew, I'm a faithful servant to my master. I'm faithful in taking care of his property. I'm a faithful steward, verse 2. Moreover, it's required of stewards that they be found trustworthy. And that's one of the questions we need to ask ourselves if we are tempted to be suspicious or we start questioning people's motives and we are uh, people who... You question people's motives, but you don't have any facts and you can't prove anything. The question we need to ask in those cases, if we tempt it, is, are they faithful to the Lord? Are they, like verse 2, are they trustworthy? And if they are trustworthy, and if they are faithful to the Lord, you have no reason to be suspicious, you have no reason to be prejudiced. Now someone might say, yes, but I have, I have a very strong feeling it is so. Well, what, how would you like it if people gave you the cold shoulder because they've got a strong feeling something is like this or that with you? You wouldn't like that. So do to others what you want them to do to you. Your prejudice and your suspicion, all that it shows is something of your own art. It shows you do not have enough love because 1 Corinthians 13 verse 7, love believes all things, Obeys all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. If you really love, then you believe the best of other people. So if you truly do want to love, if you desire for your love to increase, then you should know God. Get to know God because God is love. Understand what Jesus did on the cross because that is how God showed us the love that he has for sinners. And so we need to learn to love like Jesus loved. Now, someone might say, yes, it's not really that I don't love people. It's just that I'm 99% sure that my suspicions are correct. Well, what difference does it make if your suspicions are correct? Are you the judge? You're the judge and these people are going to have to answer to you? Is God not competent enough? To make a righteous judgment, does God not know how to judge people? So the person you're suspicious about or the person that you are prejudiced against, if that person is a Christian, and even, even if your, your assumptions are correct, if that person is a Christian, 
The cross of Jesus Christ was sufficient to pay for that person's sin. And the Lord will also discipline that Christian. And the Lord will make sure that that person remains standing. Romans 14 verse 4. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It's before his own master that he stands or falls. And he will be upheld for the Lord is able to make him stand. And if the person's not a Christian, then God is going to punish that Christian in, or that person in hell. James 4 verse 12, speaking about people judging and God is the judge who is able to save or destroy. And are you going to be glad? Are you going to rejoice because the person will go to hell forever? Or will you rather pray for the person's conversion? Or will you treat the person like he or her, he or she has treated you? You're also going to starting you're also going to start to become prejudiced against them or suspicious about them. Well, if that is so, then what you're really saying is you have no problem with prejudice and suspicion as long as it's not done against you. And will the Lord not judge you for this? Just like He will judge those who do it against you. Will the Lord not show that you are as unfaithful as your enemies? I remember sitting under that very same sermon I mentioned just now at the conference, Joel Beakey, 2003, Sermon on Criticism. And as he was preaching, I thought, as he started out and he started to give applications about criticism, I thought, yes, people have said that about me. Yes, yes, people have done that against me. Yes, people have responded that way to me. And then he continued going and the Lord started showing me my own heart. Yes, I've said that about someone. Yes, I've done that against someone. Yes, I've responded in that way against someone. And I was, I was under such conviction of sin. I wept. I went up onto the mountain and I just sat there for a time weeping and praying and begging the Lord to forgive me for my sins. And then I also had to confess to those I'd sinned against, those I'd criticized do you perhaps need to do the same? Well, then I want to encourage you to ask the Father, to ask your Heavenly Father to accept the faithfulness and the trustworthiness of Jesus, His trustworthy life in your place, His death faithful to the end in your place. And then ask the Holy Spirit to change you into a trustworthy person, verse 2 at the end. We should be found trustworthy, faithful. Ask him to make you a faithful person like Jesus. That he would also say to you one day, good and faithful servant. And if you become that faithful servant, that faithful person, you know what will happen to people's prejudice and to people's suspicions against you or about you? It'll just lose its power. People will start seeing that their suspicions and their prejudices are false and that your character is upright, that you're a faithful person. And even if they don't see it now, on Judgment Day, they will see it. God will show it. Number three, third command. <clears throat> Do not overestimate people's judgments. That's in verse 3 to 4a. If you know that God is going to judge you, you know, then, then people's judgment, it becomes like a little dog that, that's barking around your ankles. You just don't give much attention to it. And in the same way, Paul, he didn't give much attention to 
all, all the things people said about him, people's opinions and people's judgments. Verse 3. <clears throat> but with me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. Paul's question really was, what does God think about me? What does God think? And so don't, as in, by way of application, don't praise yourself because people like you. Or don't feel so depressed you're in this, this hole and you can't get out of this black hole because, because people look, with, look, look at you with suspicion or they are prejudiced against you. Their opinions do not matter much. And that even goes for human courts, for worldly courts. He says in verse 3. I mean, Paul knows our human courts, that they made wrong judgments. There were wrong verdicts made about the Apostle Paul himself, where they said he's guilty and he wasn't guilty. So the question you need to ask is not, what do people think about me? The question is, are you faithful to God? Verse 2 at the end. Are you trustworthy? Are you faithful? And, and if so, if you are faithful... You do not need to explain yourself to people. And if you are not faithful, well, then it doesn't matter whether people praise you. If people praise you, they don't know what's in your heart. Well, we don't, we don't even know what's in our own hearts many times. The heart is deceitful above all things. So Paul, before his conversion, he just summarized himself, com well, a complete wrong, wrong summary of himself. He said, I'm blameless, Philippians 3 verse 6. That's before his conversion, and he wasn't blameless. So that's why Paul, he didn't even make much of his own summary. He didn't even make much of how does he summarize his own heart and his own life. Verse 3 at the end. In fact, I do not even judge myself. In other words, I'm not going to trust my own judgments. They're so crooked. I'm not saying it's unnecessary to search your own heart. It is necessary at times. It is necessary for you to search yourself. It is necessary that you check, is my conscience clean? And that it is necessary that you repent if you see something is not right. Verse 4, I'm not aware of anything against myself. So Paul says, my conscience doesn't bother me. So you should check your own conscience. He says in Acts 23 verse 1 and 24 verse 16, he takes great pains to have a clear conscience. And he lives his life with a clear conscience before God and men. And so with the Apostle Paul, you and I, we should be able to say, my conscience is clean, my conscience is pure, I'm not aware of any unconfessed sin in my life, as 4a, that is how I think we should understand it. And I think that will really help when people start becoming suspicious about you, or people are prejudiced against you, and they say things that aren't true. If you know my conscience is clean, what does it matter what they think? You know those things aren't so. And then the final command, number four, Wait for the Lord's judgment. That is verse 4b and verse 5. So one Sunday evening, I was supposed to pick up an older pastor from the airport and take him to Pretoria. And I didn't do so because the church was going through a difficult time. And I was afraid, you know, people are going to be angry at me that I'm not preaching tonight. Um, so really I was afraid of what people were going to think. But... That's what I did, and then I asked my wife, will you please pick up the guy and take him to Pretoria, and she did that. And the next day I saw the pastor, and I explained why I couldn't pick him up, and he said these words to me, maybe your conscience is too tender. And I didn't understand what he meant, and now I do understand. Now I do. You know, sometimes you think something that the Bible doesn't forbid, something that the Bible doesn't command, 
You think it's sin if you do that thing. You feel guilty if you do that. Although scripture doesn't forbid or command it. <coughs> and in that case, your conscience is too tender. So what you need to do is you need to get to know God's word better so that you can know if something is sin or not sin. And you won't feel guilty for doing things that aren't sin. Some people have the opposite problem. They, they do things that are sin, but their consciences just don't bother them. And maybe it's because they don't know what the Bible says about that. Or maybe they've done it so much and they've hardened their hearts, they've hardened their conscience, they've seared their consciences, their consciences have become calloused, and so they don't even care if they do that thing. That it did bother them in the beginning, but they've done it so much, now they don't even worry. They don't even feel guilty anymore. So what I'm trying to tell you is that your conscience is important, but your conscience can be wrong. Verse 4a. I'm not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. So the conscience is not the highest court. It's not the final court, court to decide whether something is right or wrong. So don't say, oh, I know, I know I'm not guilty because my conscience doesn't feel guilty. It doesn't bother me. The question is, does God say, does God in his word say, you are guilty? The end of verse 4, it is the Lord who judges me. Or verse 5, on the judgment day, on the final day of judgment, the day of reckoning, will God say, you are guilty? Your motives were not pure. So we should leave it to the Lord to judge. You and I, we can judge people's deeds and say it is wrong. It is wrong for you to steal. You are living in sexual sin. That is wrong. You are telling a lie. That is wrong. You can do that. 1 Corinthians 5 verse 12 speaks of the church uh, in church discipline, calling it a kind of judgment. You can even judge a person's teaching. You can measure it according to Scripture. And if it's in line with Scripture, you can say it's true. If not, you can say it's false. You can say this person is a true teacher of God's Word or a false teacher. You need to be able to discern. But what we cannot do is we cannot judge people's motives. Only God can. Verse 5. Therefore do not pronounce judgment before the time before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart, the motives of the heart. So it is sin to be prejudiced. It is sin to be suspicious. It's like you, you acting as if as if you know what is going on in people's hearts, as if you know their motives, as if you are their judge. You are the judge who will judge them. You're like David's brother in 1 Samuel 17. David, I know why you came, why you're here. It's because you got evil. I know what's in your heart. Your heart is evil. He didn't really know what's going on in David's heart. When James 4 verse 11 and 12 speaking, telling us not to judge our brothers. Judge them. Stop judging them in that way. You know, how do you know, how do you know why she didn't greet you? I know why you didn't greet me is because you think you're better than... How do you know? What if she didn't see you? How do you know why that person looked in your direction, they were 20 meters away talking to someone, turned in your direction and smiled? Oh yes, they're doing that because they're gossiping about me. I know that. I know their thoughts. I know their... Yeah, you don't know. How do you know that? How do you know why the pastor preached on a certain topic? Yes, I know why I chose that topic. It's to nail me. How do you know that? 
Are you the almighty God? Are you the omniscient God, the all-knowing God? Now, perhaps you might say, well, yes, I don't know everything, but I do have a sixth sense. And I follow my intuition. And I know a crook when I see one. And God has given me the gift of discernment. Let me just ask you this, and please be very honest when answering. May it be, might it be, that you are using those things as an excuse for your prejudice and for your suspicion? Have you, been, have you ever been wrong with your so-called sixth sense or your intuition or your gift of discernment? Have you ever been wrong? And I, I need to just ask you, how are you not disobeying 1 Corinthians 4 verse 5 if you judge people without even knowing them? And if you believe things about them that you cannot prove. Verse 5 very clearly says, we should not judge. Leave those things. You cannot judge the purposes of people's heart or the things now hidden in darkness. You are not God. Otherwise, you can please be the judge at the final judgment. According to James 2 verse 13, God's judgment upon you will be without mercy if you are unmerciful to others in your judgments. Matthew 7 verse 2, Jesus says, with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. With the measure you use, you will be measured. So leave it to the Lord. Leave it to the Lord to show on judgment day what was really in people's hearts. God looks upon the heart, 1 Samuel 16, 7. Let the Lord show what was in someone's heart, the purpose of their heart, verse 5, and then God, each one will receive his commendation from God. Then God will reward. And you might just be surprised that some people about whom you, those about whom you had bad thoughts, that they were really sincere, and other people of whom you had good thoughts, they had impure motives. So what will the Lord say? Not only about them, what will the Lord say about you? What will the Lord say of your heart? If your heart and your motives were pure by faith in Jesus Christ, then God will reward you, verse 5. But if your heart was filled with prejudice and with suspicion, then God will also judge you accordingly. God will judge the secrets of the heart. Romans 2.16 says the same, Ecclesiastes 12 verse 14 also. So let us then in the first place ask the Lord, Lord please change my heart. Lord please give me a new heart. And if you already have a new heart, well then you shouldn't allow prejudice and suspicion or any sin to put its roots down into your heart. And if you've already done so, you've allowed these things to take root in your heart, then you need the Lord to remove, ask the Lord to remove that. Ask Him to remove it, root and all. Ask Him to forgive your sin. I remember I had to do that once. Many years ago, uh, a lady, a church member who was very unfaithful in her attendance, we saw her sporadically, and I just thought, you know, this lady, she's unfaithful. Uh, I don't know what it is, why does she not care about the church? Why does she not care about the other believers? And how wrong I was. For when I visited her, I found out that her unbelieving husband forbids her to come 
to come to church. She needed to sneak out if she wanted to come to church. And I needed to ask the Lord to forgive me for my prejudice and for my suspicion. And the Lord will forgive you too. Just like He forgave me, and just like He forgave those who were prejudiced about Him and were suspicious about Him. All these people prejudiced, look what He looks like. He doesn't even look like the Messiah. How can He be the Messiah? Can anything good come from Nazareth? How can He be the one? He's just a carpenter's son and so on. And eventually, Jesus did forgive them when He prayed on the cross. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Our Father, we do pray Your forgiveness. We beg Your forgiveness for our sin of prejudice and suspicion. Please cleanse us of this evil. Purify our hearts of this sin. And help us to be loving people. Not naive people. We can see if a deed is sinful or if certain words are sinful or if certain teaching is false. But not to judge people's motives and intentions and secret deeds, those things we do not know and cannot see. Help us to let you be the judge and to submit to your judgment and your righteousness and to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Amen.